0: Hello and good evening. Welcome to Bible study, everybody. Good to see you tonight. All of you. It's exciting. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to take a moment and pray, and then we will get rolling with things. Father, thanks for your love, and thanks, God, for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here, not only with us, but you're here to teach us, and you're here to empower us. And you're here to bring revelation. And so, God, we open ourselves. We open our ears. And we open our hearts and our minds. And we say, pour out and fill us, God. We want to receive of you. So, Lord, tonight, I pray that uh, this time would be anointed. I pray this time would be just filled with you, filled with your love, filled with your presence. I ask, God, for more and more revelation over our lives. And I ask you that we would just be ready and willing and able to let you begin to work on our thoughts and work on our minds and work on our hearts tonight. So thanks for being here. Thanks for this opportunity to gather. We ask you to be glorified. Pray, God, that we would expect something good here in this place right now. We ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Dave Bentley had something he wanted to share, some good news about his sister. I know some of us have been praying for her Uh, she has been battling cancer and uh, got through I believe one round of breast cancer and then uh, more cancer and so some uh, good news came from this as we've been praying so Dave why don't you share
1: treated this Right. God cares for us and he loves us and he does it all and it's just, it's just it's awesome thanks everybody that's praying and uh, keep praying for her she needs strength and, and it's not like the treatment's not like chemo she won't lose her hair it won't make her sick in any other way it's a totally different kind of treatment so that's even that's a plus
0: right yeah. well definitely keep praying for her she's not out of the woods or anything. She's way far from being out of the woods, but uh, just the the way that that worked out, that you had a rare form of cancer and a rare form of cancer. And there happens to be a treatment that crosses over between the two that she's already had. It just seems to be, it's just interesting. Right, right. And they know that. So,
1: Right. That's the only way it will get there. Right. Our blood brain barrier doesn't let many things through and that's to protect our brain. So we're okay. um, doing that and uh, just pray that that never gets infected and just the treatment goes great. Right. So thank
0: you all for praying. All right. Thanks for sharing that, Dave. That's encouraging and I uh, always love to hear that. always love to hear what guys doing. That's all good. All good. All right, we're going to open our Bibles tonight. Uh, we're going to go to Psalm 21. Psalm 21. If you need a Bible, you can grab one off the table. We have Bibles for you to use. We want to welcome uh, Guacardo tonight. Uh, he's making a special appearance here at Bible Study. So, Guacardo, thank you uh, for coming and for being a part Don, you didn't even know he was back there, did you? He's so quiet. He's really quiet. Yeah. I Yeah. Well, he is a half a guacamole uh, or a half an avocado. Yeah, not guacamole yet, but half an avocado over there. Half a Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, guacardo, thank you for coming. Uh, Psalm. <laughs> Good question. Psalm 21. I need a volunteer to read verses 11, 12 and 13 of Psalm 21, verses 11, 12, and 13.
1: Though they plot evil against you and devise wicked schemes, they cannot succeed. You will make them turn their backs when you aim at them with a drawn bow. Be exalted in your strength, Lord. We will sing and praise your might.
0: All right, thanks for reading that. Uh, as you're, you're looking at that verse, uh, kind of a, an interesting verse in that, uh, it's encouraging us to really look forward with more faith. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, that God has more, and that He's going to do more. Uh, sometimes it's overwhelming if we think that we're being overrun. Sometimes it's overwhelming when certain things don't go the way we think they're going to go, or the way that we hope they were going to go, or whatever, and we can be overwhelmed by that. But what these verses really declare is God's victory. They declare His ultimate victory over. Uh, whatever would try to thwart His purpose and His plan, and His word from coming to pass, and so we can look forward to things with faith. In other words, no matter what our day is today, no matter how we feel today, how we feel about today, no matter if it's been a great day, a terrible day, exciting day, boring day, whatever today was, we can look forward in faith because of who God is—that He is victorious that he is bringing his will to pass, that he is bringing his purposes to pass. Whether we can see it or not, whether we're really fully experiencing it or not, today doesn't mean that we won't tomorrow. And so there's always hope. There's always something that lies ahead that, that we can count on. You think about the life of David, and this is really what the psalm is about is the life of David, and he's an illustration of that. He's a type of our life and what that means. Because in the life of David, you see, not every day was a success. But yet you can clearly look at David's life and know that God blessed David with success. He did. But not every day was successful. Not every day went the way David wanted. You read some of the Psalms that he's writing in time, in real time. And he's just distressed. And he's down. And and things didn't go his way. And he doesn't feel like that, that God's anywhere near him. During those days. And yet, his life is going to be a success. And he knew that in some ways. Maybe not in that moment, but there's always hope for tomorrow. There's always a future. And so, as a type of what it is to be in Christ, our lives in Christ, our lives would be a success. Now, what is that going to look like? I don't know. I don't know what success looks like in in Jesus' point of view all the time. Because I think sometimes we get that mixed up. We, we think we know what success is in our point of view, and we might put that on Jesus. But that doesn't mean that's how he sees it. Rebecca Guacardo is in your seat over here. And I mean, I mean he's, he's enjoying, but, but he is right in your seat. You see him over there? Yeah. Yeah, so we're just glad he's here. We'll leave him alone for the night, all right? But don't let that happen again. Alright. You got that, Guacardo? Alright. C. C. Oh. Yeah. Where did that come from?
1: Somewhere <laughs> <laughs> behind
0: Hidden hidden talents. We didn't even know.
1: Spanish ventriloquism uh, Ventriloquism.
0: ventriloquism. Throw us boys. We didn't even know, in Spanish. You do? No. For what? <laughs> so God blessed David with success, and, and we know that, but not every day was successful, and some days were kind of down and bad for him. Well, that's going to be for us. We can say that, all right, we know that in Jesus, we know that, that there is a total overthrow of the enemies of Jesus. We know that. But we also know that we're going to face issues. We also know that we're going to face resistance. We also know that we're going to have days that don't go our way. And it's important to keep in mind and what these, these verses, what the psalm is trying to tell us, is important to keep in mind that there's a bigger picture to things and that we know that better days are ahead. We know that God's will is being done. We know that God's purposes are being accomplished in and through our lives. And regardless of how we feel in on any one or given day, I mean, do you ever look at yourself and wonder, what am I doing? You know, why am I putting so much effort into X, Y, or Z? It doesn't seem like I'm getting anywhere. I mean, as it happens some days. But we have a, 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 a foreknowledge of success in Jesus. We have that. We need to call on that sometimes. We need to lean on that sometimes. We need to count on the fact that, that he has already won. You know, you hear people saying that all the time. Well, Jesus already won. Well, yeah, but we're still fighting. But never lose track, never lose sight that he has already won. That even in the midst of the fight, even in the midst of the battle, even in the midst of whatever it is we're going through in our daily lives, there is a victory that is ours, that we share in. And so I don't know about you, but for me, it's important on down days for me to think of that. It's important on days where I'm feeling a little bit like out of it or I'm wondering what I'm doing or I'm wondering how this is all going to work out or if it's going to work out and all those things. It's important for me to remember that I'm on a team, that I'm with Jesus and that it is one and that things are moving in his will and his purposes for my life. Whether I see it today or not, they are. And I can find rest in that, and I can find peace in that. I can find faith in that, too. To believe God through the difficult circumstance, through the hard time, because we know that there's other times ahead, better times ahead. And so we see God says he turns back evil. Or what does that mean? Well, evil had stretched, or these people had stretched out evil. That's what the verses talk about. What does that mean? It means that they had laid out snares and nets and dug pits to catch wild beasts in. And that's what that describes. It's a word picture. And those things have been laid out. Those things have been dug out. Those snares have been set. Those nets have been made ready for us, for God's people and for God's purposes and God's plan. So all those things have been laid out. All those things are at the ready. And as we go through life, every now and then we're going to hit one of those. But that's how it happens, that, that, that those things have been laid out. Those things have been stretched out. You know, in this verse, it talks about a mischievous device has been set against us. And all that, I can, I can just boil the, that phrase down into one word, trick. There's been a trick been played. All right? And whether or not you want to see that as the the snares, the nets, the pits, but a trick has been played. To try and distract us. A trick has been played to try and and cause us grief. A trick has been played to try and cause us to to get down about it. The trick has been played to get us to try to get us to turn back. And that's really the trick that has been played because if we will see it through and we will remain faithful, Victory is ours, and so the only thing, the only play that can come against us is to get you to quit. The only play that's going to work, that come against you, is to get you to give up, to lose hope, to lose faith, to stop obeying, to stop going after what God has said about your life, and if he can do that, If our enemy can do that, if he can trick you into giving up, he can trick you into stopping, he can trick you into turning around and going a different direction than what God's called you to, then he's won. But that's the only way he can win. The bottom line is is that Jesus has laid out and done everything necessary to bring about his will and his purposes in your life if you'll endure. If you will endure. If you'll keep going. If you'll keep moving in the direction that he's called you in, if you just keep going, you're going to find victory. You're going to do it. But until that day, you're going to hit some snares every now and then. Until that day, you're going to fall into some pits. Until that day, you're going to find out there's some nets laying out for you. You're going to find it. They're going to happen. And you're going to hit one of those every now and then. And and the trick is going to be played. And the trick's trying to get you to give up. And the trick is trying to get you to stop. And the trick's trying to get you to turn around. But you got to be smarter. Don't fall for it. Some of you have already fallen for it. And you figured it out along the way. I can't fall for this. i got to get back on track. And you got back on track? Good. Don't fall for it again. Just don't. Because if you get tricked once, all right. Well, you got tricked. You didn't know, right? If you get tricked again... What? Yeah, what about the third time and the fourth time? How many times are you going to fall for the same trick? It's like a little kid, you know, where you hide the thing in one hand. It's like, which hand is it in? Nope. Ha, <laughs> Or you put it behind your back. Where would it go? What are we like, that? That's our mentality? Or can we look at something, I mean, as adults, and we can say to ourselves, all right, I got it. Okay? You got me. I know you got me. You got me on that one. I'm back on track now, though. I'm not going to fall for that again. Then you hit another net. What do you do? Don't fall for it. Keep going. You fall in the pit. You hit a trap. Don't fall for the trick. Just don't. You can keep going. And if you keep going, there's victory out there. Just keep moving. Keep going and keep moving in the direction that God has set you in. You see, evil plans, and it's kind of interesting that there's a word used there in this psalm. Evil plans cannot succeed. Cannot succeed. That's a powerful word to us. Because somewhere in our brains we think, wow, that really worked on me. No, the only thing is you fell for the trick. You see, if you don't fall for the trick, and isn't that what I'm talking about? Then evil plans can't succeed. They cannot succeed on you. You see, these plans are formed to bring evil upon God's cause and his people. That's why they're formed. And so these plans are also, they're not just in somebody's head. They're actual, they're actually, they get put into practice. It's not just intention, but it's action. That's what it is. And I want to share something with you on that, that if the devil can be that smart, can you? If our enemy can be that smart, can you? And boy, what do I mean by that? But I mean this. Your intentions aren't good enough. You have good intentions? Great. That's not very good, though. What does that mean? Nothing. What do you mean? Your heart was in the right place? What does that mean? Nothing. Your intentions are not enough. The enemy's figured that out. Intentions don't get it done. If you have good intentions and you have intentions in your heart, then get to it. Put it to work. Put it to action. You start thinking, it's like, oh, well, I really, I intend to really change this about my life. Then change it. I intend to be different this time next year. Then you better get going, Get cracking. Or that intention is not going to mean anything. In the enemy's case, he figured that out. He got it. All right? His evil intentions against you don't mean anything. Nothing. It's what he puts into action that means something. He gets it. We need to get it. Because if that which the devil is meant for evil in our life, if that's what's happening on that side, how much more if we can take our intentions and begin to unleash those on the world around us? Stuff that God puts into our hearts, stuff that God puts into our minds, good stuff that that we have and we know, okay, this is from God, I'm moving forward in this, and put it into action instead of just thinking about it or intending to do it, or wanting to do it, or however you want to think about that. And I know I harp on this a lot, but man, how many, how long are we going to get stuck with, I want to, I want to, or I intend to, I'm going to? How long are we going to get stuck in that before we realize it doesn't mean a thing until we actually do it? And so whatever the enemy has meant against us, it's not going to succeed, but he, he, he does get to it. He does lay the snares, he does lay the traps, he does lay the nets, the pits are laid, he does those things. And we get caught in them every now and then, and then he tries to trick on us. He not only intends that, he does it. We need to respond differently. And I know lately I've been boiling some things down to some simple concepts. Good, right? Something you can hang on to, something you can hold on to, right? Well then do it. Then do it. If we can boil it down to that simple of a concept, we need to get up and we need to do something about it. Don't fall for the trick. And get moving forward in what God has. You see, what the devil would like to do is trick us. He want to trick us. And and I want you to think about David. and, and, And was David anointed king? Yeah. Why was he living in a cave? Was David anointed king? Then why was he running around the wilderness, running from Saul? Was David anointed king? Then why wasn't he sitting on a throne somewhere living in a palace? You think about all of those things. Like, well, why wasn't all that happening? Did that change the fact that he was anointed king? No, he was anointed king. And he knew he was anointed king. And there were times when Saul was out to kill him. And there were times when he was getting chased across the wilderness. And there were times he made an alliance with the Philistines. There were times that he did what he had to do, and he did all of those things. And he lived the way he needed to live. And then one day he took the throne. But you see, all that time, and all those snares, and all those circumstances, and all those moments, he didn't get tricked into believing he wasn't the king. He didn't get tricked in believing that anointing wasn't real. He didn't get tricked into giving up and just going to live somewhere else where everybody would leave him alone, everybody would be nice to him. He didn't get tricked into any of those things. He kept moving forward and moving toward what God had said over his life, and he kept moving with a purpose and a passion in his heart. And it was in that passion and that purpose that eventually he was. A, he, he not only had been anointed before, but he eventually stepped into that palace. He eventually stepped onto that throne, and he eventually took his place in the history of the nation of Israel and, and Judah as their king. That's what he did. Why? Because he kept going. He didn't fall for the trick. Well, maybe it's just in God. I mean, it's not working out. Well, yeah, sometimes it doesn't work out the way you think. Maybe it's in God. This is hard. Yeah, sometimes it's really hard. Maybe this is God. I mean, these people hate me. Yeah, sometimes people hate you. Well, maybe this is God. This isn't easy. Not everything is easy. It's okay. Sometimes you got to work. Sometimes you got to keep going. When everybody else wants to quit, you keep going. It's part of the burden of carrying vision in your life is that you may be the only one carrying it sometimes. Keep going. There's times in my life, I, you know, that it seems like, and, and especially early on in ministry where I was carrying a vision and nobody else really was carrying anything. Because that vision God gave me didn't make sense to anybody else. Right then, now everybody does It makes sense to everybody now. But back then it didn't make any sense. You can't do that. You can't run it that way. You can't tell people that. You can't have people doing that. You can't let people just do what they want. They can't just say that. You mean they just stand up and do what? Yo, you can't do that. It didn't make any sense? Well, now everybody does it. All right. Well, I guess it makes sense now. Who's going to carry that vision for you? You got to carry your vision. Missionaries, you got to carry your vision you got a vision for where you're at. you got a vision for, for what God's doing. you got to carry that. There's nobody else going to carry it. You've got to carry it. And wherever you work and, and where you go to school or whatever it is you're doing, you got a vision for that. You've got to carry that. You can't expect other people that you work with or friends of yours or whatever they are, you can't expect them to carry that vision for you. You've got to carry that. Kinship leaders that have vision for their kinships, man, sometimes they' got to carry that by themselves because they' got people coming out that just don't care. Right? I get it. You carry it. you got to call on your life. Nobody else can see it. You carry it. Carry that vision. So we have to be ready and willing to keep going and not to fall for the trick and not to give up and not to just give in but to keep it moving. So so what I'm saying is, and and David understood this fully, is that the evil plans against him, regardless of Saul, Saul had an army of people against him, but they weren't going to succeed. Whoever he fought against, and, and God just kept giving him time and time again, success upon success, even though he had days where things didn't go his way at all. But living in the success they had. Somebody look at Zechariah 2.8. Zechariah 2.8. Somebody read that. For thus said the Lord of hosts, After his glory sent me to the nations who plundered you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye. All right. How sensitive is your eyeball? Pretty sensitive. you like people touching your eyeball? No. I don't. I don't like anybody touching my eyeball. But every now and then, somebody has to touch your eyeball, like a doctor or somebody. I don't even like it when, you know, when they do that test. Some of you probably aren't old enough for that, but... They do that to me all the time. I get the poof of air. I hate that. That's uncomfortable. I've had stuff stuck in my eye before, and they have had to get right up against my eyeball to get it off. Those of you that wear contact lenses, you have a special relationship with your eyeball. And and there's some people that, you know, like if that thing gets stuck somewhere, I mean, you're you're trusting somebody if they're touching your eyeball. Well, that's what God's describing there. He's like, you come against... You come against my people, you're coming against the apple of my eye. All right? In other words, it's eyeball. That's uncomfortable. You don't want to do that. You've got to protect that. We are going to protect that. And, uh, and I was thinking the other day, there's, uh, I used to work, those are, some of you know this, I used to work at a, a center for delinquent kids. And uh, this was not in Syracuse. This was out in western New York. And uh, part of my job, I was a disciplinarian there. And part of my job was uh, crowd control and breaking up fights. And there would be times where I'd have time to, you know, properly do things or whatever. And then there would be some scenes that I'd be the first one in, there wouldn't be any security there, and and there would be more than one of the 16 to 21-year-olds fighting. These weren't little kids. These were young adults. And so one of the techniques that I would use and bear with me for a second, don't judge me too hard. One of the techniques I would use to calm down a situation is I would grab the aggressor as soon as I could, normally while he was engaged with somebody else, I would stick my thumb in the corner of his eye socket to put pressure against his eyeball. I would just get my thumb right in there. And they would stop. They would stop what they were doing when I would do that because they would feel the pressure up against their eyeball. Because we don't like that. Even if we're mad, even if we're angry, whatever else is going on, we do not like that. Well, God doesn't like it. When the enemy comes against, when the enemy tries to thwart, and the enemy tries to come against his plans and his purposes, he doesn't like that. And that's what that verse describes in Zechariah. And if you've never thought about it that way, I want to encourage you to think about it that way what it feels like, and how much we hate that, how uncomfortable it is. So God, if the enemy, and I just want to make this point too, if the enemy had the power to accomplish, thwarting his will in your life, then he would do it. All right? He wouldn't need a trick. But he cannot do it without a trick. And that's what that verse means. And so what it comes down to us for us is faith. What it comes down to is us believing what God has said. What it comes down to us is continuing on in what God's called us to and the purpose that he has for our life. That's what it, it that, that we're going to continue on in that regardless of whatever circumstance or whatever net or whatever trap or whatever thing that we fall into. We're going to keep going. If he could do it, he would do it. Think about Jesus. Think about the what happened there. What was the intent with Jesus? The enemy's part. What did he want to do? Do you think he wanted Jesus to go to the cross? Or do you think he wanted Jesus to redeem mankind? Do you think he wanted all of the, the salvation that came out of that? I don't think so. I don't know that he had really fully understood how it was going to happen. But he certainly didn't want that. And and I could imagine that the whole way, if you think about the story, how it unfolds with Judas turning on Jesus and how he went and he sold him out. And so he he sold him out for a certain amount of money, and then he led the people back, the the troops back to arrest Jesus. And Jesus gets arrested and he's beaten, and then he's flogged and and he's made fun of, and and all this stuff's happening. I could only imagine the enemy figured he had it, right? Like, Like Is that enough? Would that be enough for the average person to turn away from God's will and purpose for his life, maybe. You think about the stuff that gets us all upset? Well, it doesn't even compare to that. We get all upset over all kinds of little things. That was a lot of things. And then he gets and then he gets put on a tree and he and he suffers and he dies on the tree. Now that could have turned people back from stuff that from, from God's purpose for their life. It didn't turn him back. And you see, so whatever he threw at him, whatever he brought against him, it it didn't work. It didn't have the power to change what was about to happen. Because if he had the power to change what was about to happen, he would have done it. The only possibility of changing what was about to happen with Jesus was to trick him into leaving behind what God had for him. To call a legion of angels, to to say, okay, I'm going to take the cup and I don't want this cup anymore, I'm going to walk away from it in the Garden of Gethsemane, or whatever would have happened there, or however that would have played out. It didn't play out, because he stood steadfast on this is the Father's purpose for me, this is the Father's will for my life, this is who I am as the Savior of mankind, and I'm going to see this through, and I'm going to get through this, and he did it. But the illustration of that, and really the point I'm trying to make, is if the devil could have caused that to end, he would have, and he couldn't. The enemy is not strong enough to do that. He he wasn't strong enough to do it in Jesus' life, and he's not strong enough to do it in our life. Our response needs to be a response of faith. Our response needs to be a response of hope. Our response needs to be a response to a Savior that has shown himself as more than able, more than powerful, and, and more than willing to see us through whatever we're facing. But that's up to you. That's up to me to make that response instead of giving up. It's up to to you and for me to really turn in faith and really turn in purpose and really turn in the call that God has called us to to not fall for the trick, to not give up, and to keep moving in what God has for our lives. That's up to us. Am I saying Jesus doesn't help? Sure he does. Thank God he does. But ultimately, we're going to make a decision. We're going to keep going. Just like Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. Ultimately, we're going to make a decision as Jesus did on the cross as he was speaking forth through that that ordeal that he was going through. His victory is our victory. His victory assures our victory. That we're with him. Now, David, as that type uh, of Jesus, you think about him, and I know I've I've gone back to him a few times, but but I mean, th- he baffled his enemies. They didn't know what to make of him. Think about David and Goliath, that was baffling, wasn't it? How, how who's going to figure that out? You got you got David. He's a boy or a young man, and and he's facing a giant of a man, an experienced warrior. David was an experienced shepherd went out with no weapons except for a slingshot and killed the man. That's baffling. That baffled everybody. I think especially Goliath. But that, baff- that baffled all of the Philistines. That baffled the armies of Israel. That baffled Saul. That baffled everybody. How you do that? I don't know. He did it. Yeah, I mean, dog? he was... He didn't even take it seriously, of course, right, I mean, but, but I mean, it's, it's a baffling thing, now, Jesus, he, didn't, he wasn't leading an army, all right, he wasn't, he wasn't some aggressive, uh, what they were looking for in the Messiah, he wasn't going to be a political leader, he wasn't going to be a military leader, that's baffling. The greatest minds of their time were baffled when they they searched the scriptures trying to figure out who's Jesus. You got the enemy throwing everything he can at him to stop what was about to happen. And and it looked like it was going to work, And yet at the end, at the end of it all, came salvation for all of us. At the end of it all came ultimate victory for all of us. At the end of it all, everything that he was trying to do had been turned back. Everything he was trying to do had been defeated. That's baffling. And if you think about our lives and who God's called us to be, sometimes we're going to be baffling to people. All right? I've been baffling a number of times in my life. Like, what? Why? How does that happen? I don't know. All right? Jesus is how that happens. I'm just keep going what God called me to do. All right? So so how would you come out of that? You just come out of it. And, and, and I want to be. Yeah, you know, I want and I want to encourage you to be that kind of a person that's like, yeah, I mean, so if there's a pit, there's a net, there's a snare, there's whatever's on the way and you hit whatever you hit, but you just keep going. Baffle them. Go ahead, baffle the enemy. Go ahead. How do they keep going? Well, I didn't fall for your trick, buddy. I'm going to keep going. I didn't fall for that one. And you know what? I know I know that I know that victory is ahead. I know that. And I refuse to give up. I refuse to give up before I see, experience, and know the victory that God has for me. And so God baffles his enemies, the enemy flees. And you now, in this, in this uh, psalm that we're looking at, it, it says that they turn and they start to run. And the descriptor that's given there. Is that that uh, in the armies of God that's there, is that they have arrows and they're shooting at their backsides as they run. Yeah. Yeah. And that's literally what it's talking about there. That's the picture of it. That the enemy's baffled, they don't understand what's going on, they turn to run, and they're getting shot from behind by the armies of God. As they're trying to flee. Truth. <laughs> Truth can stand face to face. Truth is not afraid of a fight. It's not. But the enemy is not about truth. The enemy is about lies, and the enemy is about trickery, and the enemy is trying to get you to believe a lie and get you to give up on the real truth of who God is and what he has said. And so that lie and that trick is going to flee. In the face of truth. It's just going to flee. And let truth continue to batter it from behind. Just as it's running the other direction. I don't want him to just go around the corner. I want him to just leave. All right? So I'm going to keep battering and battering and battering with truth. How do you get truth in your life? How do you get truth? Anybody? Tell me. Seek Seek the truth. And what does the Bible say? All right, who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. All right? He is the truth. Knowing him, having him, abiding in him, finding life in him, finding purpose, finding God's will, plan for your life in him. There is truth in that. And continue to speak that, continue to live in it, continue to proclaim it. That's how truth, you you get truth in you because Jesus is in you. Jesus is also the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us. We beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Right. Right. And so so we're taking a living Word, a living Word that some of you have electronic versions, some of you have uh, book versions, but we're taking a living word in Jesus. He's indwelling us. We're receiving him into our lives. And we're receiving a word. We're receiving a living word and a living truth in us. Let that batter the enemy. Let it batter the enemy. And, and I, I mean, and don't give in. Don't give up. And don't be, I don't know, complacent in that. Because, man, complacency, how boring. No, really, though, and and how, and and really, what what a sucker place to live. Cause you're just just waiting for what, the next bad thing. Yeah, it's sleepy, sleepy. So, so we get down we get down to this, and and then I want to, and this is how we're going to end this up. But the end of this psalm, what it ends up with is talking about some praise. That's what he's talking about, some praise. Psalm twenty one. Singing praise, singing praise, singing praise, proclaiming praise is directly related to victory. Well, how do I know that? Well, because it's in the Bible, all over the place. And and I'm just going to take a few verses right out of uh, New Testament. I'm going to just pick one book of the New Testament, and we'll take some verses out of there. So help me out with some reading here. Uh, Revelation 7. Revelation 7, uh, 10 through 12. Somebody want to read that? They cried, out, they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God
1: who sits on the throne. Salvation also belongs to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, and they were standing around the elders and poor living creatures. They fell down.
0: Okay, now there's a lot of victory there, and there's a lot of praise there. All right? There's a lot of both. And we know that those two things are related because we see them together. We see response, and we see cause in both ways. And I believe the proclamation of truth, the proclamation of victory, the proclamation of who God is, the proclamation of what he's done are important But also what's important in that proclamation is to take some time and to worship him for who he is. Because it's one thing, as human beings, we're made to worship. We're made to worship our God. We're made to worship the God who has redeemed us, the God who has saved us, the God who has provided for us, the God who has brought peace into our life, the God who has brought victory into our lives. It's going to last for eternity. We have been created, we've been made to praise him. And you may sit here and say, well, I don't like to sing. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if you don't like to sing, you can still praise. And, and, and I don't care if you don't like to, to dance, but you can still praise. I don't care if you don't like to raise your hands, but you can still praise. I don't care if you don't like to shout, but you can still praise. That somehow, some way, there's got to be some way and physical way that we can express ourselves to our God in victory. Got to be. And, and as soon as you get over yourself, maybe you'll start singing. As soon as you get over yourself, maybe you'll start shouting. As soon as you get over yourself, maybe you'll even dance without caring what anybody thinks about it because you're just praising your God. And I'm not, and I'm not trying to tell you what to do. I am not even trying to tell you how to do it. I'm trying to tell you that this is what we're made for. And there's victory associated directly related to praise. Let's try a different one. Revelation 12:10 And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Loud voice. It wasn't the gentle whisper, <laughs> you know, that Elijah heard in the cave. It was a loud voice proclaiming. And I want you to see the proclamation that's being made there because that proclamation says something to us, and that proclamation is important to us about who, who our God is. It also tells you about the trick, doesn't it? You see the trick in there? Who who does the trick? The accuser of the brethren. That's not God. That's the enemy. All right? And he is the accuser of the brethren, but that's the trick. To get you to give up, that's the trick. To get you to hate yourself, that's the trick. To believe that you're unfit, that's the trick. That tries to tell you that you can't do it. And make you just give up. Well, we're not giving up. Let's believe the truth. Because the truth can face that face-to-face. And when the truth faces that face-to-face, a loud voice in heaven proclaims a victory over him. Because he's going to run and the truth is going to keep after him and keep after him and keep after him. Once you start that process in your life, there's something powerful that takes place. Once you start showing yourself as somebody that regardless of how your day went, you're going to keep proclaiming. However your day went, you're going to keep worshiping. However your day went, you're going to keep speaking truth. However your day went, you're going to keep on after what God has for you, and you're not going to fall for that trick anymore. Once you establish yourself as a person like that, things begin to change on a level in your life. They just do. Am I saying you never get tempted? No, of course you do. Am I saying you never hit a snare? Of course you do. But things really begin to change. Once you establish yourself as that kind of a person. And I know some of you have gone through seasons where you've made that kind of a decision. And you know what that feels like. And all I can do is say, get back there. Get back to that place. Get back to that spot where you're just not taking it anymore. And it's moving forward. Another verse, Revelation 19, 1, 2, and 3. Revelation 19, 1, 2, and 3.
1: They shouted, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and
0: ever All right, now look at the pattern of that verse. The first thing he describes is like, what did it sound like? What did it sound like? It's just roar. a big roar, a great multitude of people just just shouting all right that's a that's what a roar. that's what he's describing there. And then he begins to bring some kind of meaning to it. And things that he was hearing, what was he hearing? It's like, hallelujah. And then there's a proclamation being made. What's the proclamation? Is that Jesus wins. The enemy is defeated. Isn't that the proclamation there? And how they respond to that again. Hallelujah. They begin to worship again. The great roar that rises up when people begin to worship together. Sometimes it doesn't sound like anything. I've heard that many times where you hear a bunch of people, they just begin to worship and they just begin to to proclaim and they just begin to allow the Holy Spirit to speak through them. And it just sounds like that sometimes. Good. Good, because that's associated with victory. That's associated with the proclamation of the truth. That's associated with what it looks like to be victorious in God and to proclaim that victory over our lives. That's what it looks like. And those things go together. And so I know I I, think I got stuck in one, one book here, but so what? What an awesome New Testament example of what we're talking about. And you can go through the whole Old Testament, you look at those people. I mean, those people are people that would proclaim God, they love to eat together, and they love to worship together. All right, they, they're coming in, they're going to worship the, the Ark of the Covenant, and they're going to hand out raisin cakes. All right, they're going to eat, they're going to worship, they're going to celebrate. That's what they did. There is something associated with all of this that we need to get through our heads. That we want to make this some kind of singular idea about, well, this is my battle and my battle alone. But it, no, it's not. In one sense, it is. You're going to make your decisions, you're going to have your faith, and you're going to exercise it. But in another sense, we're all in this together. And we're all cheering each other on, and we're all proclaiming truth. And we're all worshiping that truth together and, and, and proclaiming and proclaiming victory together and worshiping in that victory together. We're all doing that together. as we're making our decisions and we're taking our stand and we're saying no more and yes to the victory of God and yes to his plans and yes to his purposes, and no to the tricks of the devil and the lies of the devil. A common condition. God's called us to worship. God's called us to celebrate. God's called us to proclaim truth. God's called us to live in the victory that He's already secured. And all I can say is, let's do it. Let's do it. And let's not give in anymore. I'm going to take a few minutes, just a few minutes, and I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. And by respond, just right where you're at, you're as an individual. Uh, You know where you're at, you know what you've been living in, and and you know, have, have you been just living in defeat? All right, if that's you, today's a good day to change that. Have you believed the trick and given up? Today's a good day to change that. You believe the lie and you just set down what God has for you? Today is a good day to change that and to pick up what God has for you and to get back on track. It doesn't have to be any other special time than right now to do that. Right while it's fresh in your head, right it's fresh in your mind, just allow the Holy Spirit to, 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 to lift you out. Yeah, Heavenly Father, I just pray for us tonight, and I pray for those of us that have been in a pit. They may have fallen in a pit. They may have been snared, a, a net had snared. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would just lift them out tonight. That God, they don't have to dwell there. They don't have to live there. They don't have to remain in that pit. They don't have to give up. But, God, you have given not only a means of escape for them, back onto the track and back onto the regular place. But, God, there's something more. There's your vision, there's your purpose, your plan for their life that they can retake that up. They can take that vision back up in their life. And I pray, God, for individuals that are getting lifted up out of the mire, lifted up out of the pit, lifted up out of the snare tonight and released. I pray, God, they take back up the vision that you put over their life. For, God, I just ask you that people get back on track here and now. And get back on the trail that, God, that the path that you have for them. Back on the way, that narrow way that, God, you've called us to. Yeah, Father, whether we wander, whether we fall, whether we get we hit the wrong thing, God, our mental state, whatever it is, God, you can take us back to the place. The place of your love, the place of your purpose, the place of your, your, your plan for our lives. So, God, I just ask you that we would make some decisions tonight individually we'd make some decisions tonight that we're not going to fall for this anymore. Individually we'd make some decisions tonight that we're going to live in the victory that you've given us. Individually we're going to make some decisions tonight that are going to keep going in the vision that God you've put over our lives. For God, we, we celebrate you. We celebrate Jesus and all that he's given us. We celebrate Jesus and all that he's accomplished. We celebrate celebrate Jesus and life and that more abundantly. We celebrate Jesus that he is the way and the truth. Thank you that he's the life. Thanks. Thank you. We celebrate Jesus that he arose victorious over death and hell and the grave. We celebrate Jesus that he ascended to the right hand of the Father, that he lives always to make intercession for the saints. We celebrate Jesus. that that we may boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. We celebrate Jesus because he gives to us all that we need, that he teaches us, that he encourages us, that he is a part of our lives, that, that he indwells us, that we abide in him, we find life in him. Thanks, Jesus. We celebrate Jesus that there can be no greater victory than that which he has already won. And that we get to share in that. We celebrate Jesus that we're part of his family. We celebrate Jesus that we are co-heirs, joint heirs with him. In all things from the Father, we celebrate with Jesus that we always have hope. Always have hope. Because there is always victory ahead. So Jesus, tonight we celebrate you. We celebrate what it means to live in you. We celebrate what it means to be victorious in you. We celebrate, God, what it is to have life in you. Thanks, Lord. Thanks, God. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Give you honor and praise. Yeah. You are victorious, God. You're alive forevermore. We give you praise. We give you honor. We give you blessing. We ascribe power unto you, God. We say you, uh, you rule and reign. You rule and reign, Jesus. A God who provides. Yeah, a God of peace. A God who pours out his love. A God of mercy and forgiveness. A God of grace. Upon grace. Thank you, Jesus, a great high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, a great high priest that understands us, a great high priest that that has been tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, you're this provider over our lives. Thank you, God, for your patience and your long suffering. Thank you, Jesus, for your care and your understanding. Thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Jesus, you're our righteousness, God. You're our righteousness, God, your Creator. By you, all things are held together. Thanks. Thank you, God. You're our healer. Thank you. You make us whole. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love that's over us. Thank you, God. Thank you that you're always with us. Yeah. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Thanks, God. Uh. Thanks, Lord. Yeah, God, we say thanks for your victory tonight. Give you praise. In Jesus' name, let's agree by saying amen.